Bird King. WXDXFM, Pittsburgh. It's the Steelers in Baltimore on Sunday night. Heinz Field. And there is a whole lot on the line. Since the Steelers won Monday at Tampa, there seems to be an assumption that the Steelers are back on track. It's business as usual. Regular service has been resumed. But the defense still stinks. Special teams also stink. And the penalty situation is an absolute abomination. Juju's hurt. If he can't play, A.B. might be quadruple covered. Baltimore is 2-1. It's a rivalry. The Ravens are going to smell blood. It's a chance to put the Steelers in the wayback machine. The Steelers played a little better at Tampa. Ben was a beast. But Ben can't do a lot more than he did. So it needs to be all hands on deck Sunday at home against Baltimore. This is a rivalry game, but a lot of key figures in building that rivalry aren't around anymore. Heinz Ward, Ray Lewis, Joey Porter, Bot Scott. It's not the dirty game it once was. Terrell Suggs is a holdover to that period, as are both the quarterbacks. I remember when Todd Heap got hurt once, the Baltimore tight end. Heap was having trouble getting up, and Joey Porter pushed him back down. And then there was this one time Ray Lewis killed somebody. This is the Mark Madden Show. I've got more news about the Lev Bell saga, and it's quite shocking. That's just seconds away. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call to go one-on-one with the great one, or... You can follow me on Twitter at MarkMadX. By the way, I did not have Twitter beef with Mike Mitchell yesterday, the ex-stealer. Harrison, yes. Mitchell, no. Mitchell did battle with a Mark Madden imposter. I wouldn't beef with Mike Mitchell, the ex-stealer, the worst safety in team history. Mitchell's beneath me. He's not nearly a star on my level. Anyway, here's the Bell update. Mark Cavalli reports at TheAthletic.com that if Bell does not sign his tag and report by November 13 at 4 p.m., he can't play for anybody this season no matter what. But we've been told previously that Bell needs to be with the Steelers for six games to burn this season and get to unrestricted free agency. Cavalli says no. Cavalli says Bell will be an unrestricted free agent no matter what after this season because he has four accrued seasons with the same club. Cavalli wrote it. I talked to him about it. He vetted it. Bell will be a free agent at season's end no matter what. Well, unless the Steelers franchise tag him again, 
which I don't think is going to happen, uh, that would go to 25 mil next year. Uh, again, even if Bell never plays this season. Uh, again, that flies in the face of everything we've been told, but Kabali reports that Bell will be an unrestricted free agent at season's end, no matter what. Well, unless the Steelers decide to franchise him again, which they will not. Now, uh, I think that's good news for the Steelers, all that, because they need to wash their hands of Le'Veon Bell. And if Kabali is right, and I presume he is, that means Bell's going to sit out the whole year. If he gets to free agency no matter what, it makes more sense to sit out the whole year than it does to come in and play six games unless you really need the money. If you sit out the whole year and get zero wear and tear, maybe Bell could make up that season at the end of his career. Maybe. There's also a story that surveys a handful of NFL GMs, and they say Bell in free agency is going to get five years and about 60 mil, which is less than Gurley got from L.A. and less than the Steelers had offered Bell. What's Bell going to do then when he doesn't get what he wants? Sit out forever? Ha! I'm beginning to think this holdout isn't helping Bell uh, the way his he and his agent had hoped. In fact, it may be hurting. I had thought that he was going to get what he wants. Now I'm not so sure. Bell isn't this revolutionary player. He's just a good running back, and maybe he's gone too far with his toxicity. It is just off the rails right now, and every team can't help but see that. They look at what Bell's done to the Steelers, the way he's played this, and they're going to think, what's to prevent him from doing something wacky when he's on our team? So that is the latest Lev Bell update. Real good work there by Mark Caballi of TheAthletic.com. By the way, if James Harrison would show up to kick my ass, there's a good chance he'd beat up Caballi by mistake. That... uh Identity has been confused by Jimmy in the past. Uh, Jory Leitera of the Philadelphia Flyers is being questioned by police for his alleged involvement in a cocaine ring in his native Finland. If I were one of the investigating officers, the first question I would ask Leitera is, have you ever seen the Flyers win the cup? I figured out the significance of Gritty's appearance. The new Flyers mascot with the pronounced facial hair. Gritty has been growing a playoff beard since 1975. Uh, This is the Mark Madden Show. I have great news. Colby Armstrong's team won the Beer League Championship last night. 10-3 in Game 3. Army's Army turned up the heat, and I like it we got a loaded show today. Jerry Dulac talking Steelers at 3.30. Josh Joey talking Penguins at 4.30. And speaking of the Penguins, we got Dominic Simone, the winger. Looked good on the third line last night. Dom joins me at 5.30 p.m. That should be a good chat. Uh, I've not been sold on the kid until recently, but uh, I'll tell you in a few moments, I had a chat with Sid last night about Simone. I'll tell you what Sid said, and then we'll talk to Dominic Simone at 5.30. Uh, Here's the Steelers' injury news. Hilton hyperextended his elbow on Monday night, but it said to not be too bad. DeCastro and Gilbert 
are practicing. Foster missed, but that was said to be a, a coach's choice, but we're not sure what his status is. Juju Smith-Schuster is not practicing, and like I said, if he can't play Sunday, who's the secondary target? Vance McDonald, maybe, but to do that with the tight end, like I said, A.B. going to get quadruple coverage. Maybe it's time for James Washington to step up. Maybe it's time for Darius Hayward Bay. Okay, I've gone off the deep end there because he stinks. The best we can hope for from the ninth-string wide receiver is that he shuts his big yapper and doesn't draw 15-yard penalties on what is supposed to be his specialty, special teams. Uh, NFL roster note, Eric Reed, the uh, former San Francisco safety, who allegedly was uh, blackballed from the league because he took a knee on the sideline along with Colin Kaepernick during the National Anthem, he got signed today by Carolina. So I guess he wasn't blackballed. I just guess it took time for a roster spot to open up where somebody figured, okay, we need this guy. In America now, we look for conspiracies everywhere. And sometimes there just isn't one. In just a moment, uh, we'll talk about the Penguins exhibition game last night. I'll tell you what Sid said about Dominic Simone. And we'll talk more about this game Sunday night against the Baltimoreans because it's not going to be easy. 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. It's a rare chance for you to have a brush with greatness. Make the most of it. Hey, Mark. Big fan. Big fan. Say, here's another great name from the past. The X at 105.9. I mentioned earlier this week about how it's amazing who we forgive and for what and who we don't. For example, Tiger Woods is a serial adulterer, a whoremonger, and has had addiction issues, but yet he has never stopped being a hero in the public eye. I talked about a racist joke he made in a magazine years ago. If that got brought up now, it wouldn't cause anyone to bat an eye because we have long since determined, the majority of us anyway, that we love Tiger Woods no matter what. Meanwhile, people like Louis C.K. and Roseanne have certainly done extremely ill-advised things, but I'm not sure that either should have lost their career like those two have. And what really put an exclamation point on it is, there's a documentary on HBO right now about the life of Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda openly collaborated with North Vietnam when the United States was at war with that country. And her career flourished, and now she's an icon. And some people think she did the right thing. She openly collaborated with North Vietnam when the U.S. was at war with that country. That's a little worse than anything Roseanne or Louis C.K. did. 412-333-9939, the number to call. Let's get back to sports as I said, this game against Baltimore Sunday ain't going to be easy. Uh, Flacco's doing okay this year. A bit of a resurgence. Six touchdowns against two picks and a passer rating of uh, almost 93. Alex Collins, decent back. Crabtree's an okay number one receiver. Has had a couple down years, but Flacco's got lots of targets. He's got 12 receivers with 12 catches or more. Excuse me, four receivers with 12 catches or more 
Varied weaponry forces that Steeler defense to embrace complicated, and they do not embrace it well. Consider what happened a couple weeks back against Kansas City. The Ravens got a solid D, more than solid. Good front seven, good DBs. Number one overall defense, number two pass defense, number five scoring defense. The Steelers are a three-point favorite, and that indicates home field and nothing else. So this game is pretty much a toss-up. Uh, the Steelers are... Uh, I just don't think they're back on track. I don't see how anybody could look at that game Monday night and think they're back on track. Was it better? Well, it had to be, uh, given how the defense was bad and the special teams were bad and there were too many penalties against Kansas City. But guess what? The defense was bad and the special teams were bad and they took too many penalties against Tampa as well. The only difference was the Steelers somehow squeaked out a win by a three-point margin. As I said on Tuesday, the Steelers are 1-1-1 one, one, and one with a point differential of minus two. You almost can't mathematically get any more 500 than that. So they are far from uh, home and dry. Uh, the Penguins beat Buffalo last night, 5-1 at PPG, exhibition hockey. Kessel got two. Buffalo used a lot of minor league guys, so I'm not overly impressed, but the Penguins are loaded. I like the third line. That's Broussard between Simone and Rust. It's a very quick line in every sense of that word. Everyone in the Penguins locker room says how good Simone is. Last week, and I'm not sure why I concealed the names because they were very complimentary of Simone, I talked to Latang and Mata last week up at the Lemieux Complex. They um, waxed eloquently about the glory of Dominic Simone. And I talked to Sidney Crosby last night, and Sid said Simone is top five on the Penguins when it comes to hockey sense. And he uh, was effusive in his praise of how well Simone can play in small areas. So I guess i got to give the kid a closer look. And like I said, Simone looks solid on that third line. Maybe that's his niche. I'm definitely not ready to convince myself Simone could play top six. Got to finish better than he did in the playoffs for that to even be considered. But who knows, maybe Simone can convince me when he joins the show at 5.30. Ricola looked great again on defense, but he's just not going to crack the top six. Maybe he starts the season with the Penguins, but don't forget, Ricola has to clear waivers to go to Wilkes. Uh, excuse me, Ricola doesn't have to clear waivers to go to Wilkes. Ruedel does, so the decision may make itself. Uh, Sprong was on the fourth line last night, and he's now day-to-day with a lower body injury. And that seems really convenient, does it not? 412-333-9939. Up next, we're going to talk football with Jerry Dulac of the Post-Gazette. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan. That happens when the show's as popular as this one. Yeah, double M, man. He'd love the show. He just wants to dance. PX at 105.9. The Steelers host Baltimore Sunday night in a game with significant uh, ramifications moving forward. Joining me now to discuss 
He covers the Steelers and the National Football League for the Post-Gazette. You can also hear him on the Steelers Radio Network. It's Jerry Dulac. Jerry, uh, what's the injury update, specifically the status of Juju Smith-Schuster? Because if he's injured for Sunday night, boy, the screws tighten even more on A.B. Yeah, 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 there's no doubt about it. I think A.B.'s going to get the attention he's going to get regardless. I think you'll, you will see them try to use uh, Marlon Humphrey in single, when I say single coverage, they'll have him follow Antonio Brown. But, you know, they'll, they'll shade the safety and rotate him to his side. You know, 90% of the time that would likely be Eric Weddle. Um, so, I, I, you know, I don't know that it's going to change a whole lot what they do to Antonio Brown, but, yes, it gives Ben one less alternative target. Um, you know, each game, I think, Mark, you're going to see James Washington become more of a factor, but there's no doubt that uh, Juju's catches the first three games, the number or result of, um, uh, uh, you know, of, of the coverage on Antonio Brown. He's been targeted plenty of times. Um, but he's, you know, his his catch rate is 54 percent. I think 24 on 42. <clears throat> but Juju's is like 70 some percent because he's able to run more open in the secondary than than Antonio Brown. Obviously, is the offensive line getting any healthier, Jer? Uh, what's the status of DeCastro, Gilbert, and Foster? Yeah, David DeCastro is going to play. I don't think there's any issue with uh, Ramon Foster, and it appears that Marcus Gilbert will go as well. I know David DeCastro will, unless there's some setback. And um, I, I think Marcus Gilbert should be okay. Um, you know, I don't think there's any question, Mark, that without DeCastro, um, you saw the running game struggle the last two games. Now, I know they got behind Kansas City early, and they had to throw, throw, throw when they were 21 down. Um, but they struggled for most of uh, uh, you know most of the game in Tampa as well until those that 27 and 17 yard run which were important not only at the time but for James Conner because since that fumble mark there've been I think six negative runs and two other runs for zero yards he was averaging uh, geez, just over a yard per carry since that fumble until that 27 yard run so um, but I think a lot of that was due to DeCastro, David DeCastro, not playing uh, the last two games. Monday was a badly needed win uh, at Tampa, but the Steelers still have problems on defense and on special teams and with penalties. So they're not exactly back on track, are they? No, uh, no, I would agree, Mark. Special teams has been a real issue. I think the biggest bright spot of the, uh, the special teams has been the dependability and the you know the the decent returns, especially on punts of of uh, Ryan Switzer. Um, but you know Chris Boswell's missed a field goal in each of the three games. He's missed two extra points. Jordan Berry has been inconsistent. The penalties on special teams are are just maddening. Uh, that's been a that's been a real uh, you know a real uh, poor spot for them. No question about it. And you know. You know, Mark, it's it's kind of like it's it's almost like a, like a game of Yahtzee. You know, you you roll the dice and you see what comes out, and and that that's what that's the way this defense is to a degree. To a degree, it's the way the offense is. You know, they they didn't score a point in the second half. That's kind of been overlooked because the defense was allowing that twenty point lead to evaporate. So. Um, yeah, it's not exactly like they're firing on all cylinders, but I think the converse of that 
is we have seen both with the production of the offense when they need it, and at times, you know, the defense taking the ball away. Mark, they had 10 passes defense again the other day. They had 10 in the opener and 10 against Tampa Bay. That's a lot of touches of, of uh, passes that, you know, eventually, and we saw three the other night, but that's how you start get taking the ball away and getting interceptions. So, you know, the pressures have been decent. You know, the sacks have been decent. Um, the run defense has been decent at times, but it just hasn't been consistent, and I think that's what's been lacking. And I think going forward, you know, that's what they're aiming for, being more consistent in those areas, but they got a long way to go with the special teams. Uh, the most frustrating thing for me is the penalties. How do you cure that? I look at what DHB did on that punt, and Dangerfield takes a flag on the opening kickoff, and I think right. that's just stupidity, and stupid something really tough to cure. Yeah, Mark, I'm with you there. I mean, how do you take a holding penalty on the opening kickoff of the game as he did? Then you get a face mask penalty by a Nat Burry. Uh, you get the after after the false start penalty when the punt was down at the one. Uh, you then debate that and argue that you don't debate it; you argue it, and you get a 15 yard penalty. That's just not very uh, smart, Mark. As you know, they lead the league in number of penalties and penalty yards, but their opponents lead the league in number of penalties and penalty yards. So they're actually calling them both ways. I don't know if it's uh, if the uh, the other team is. You know, it, it through osmosis is catching some of that, but they have been. There's no question they have been ugly games and difficult games to watch, and that's kind of what Mike Tomlin was talking about the other day. If you're a football purist, you're turning that game off uh, a Monday night. They have not been a lot of fun to watch with all the penalties being thrown. How you cure it? Uh, the stupid penalties, you just don't be stupid. But some of the others, there's just been so many blocks in the back and everything else. Uh, they've had a lot of roughing penalties, too. That's why they have so many penalty yards. Mark, they have a lot of 15-yard penalties. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't think the, the, the officials are watching them any more than anybody else. I just think a lot of it's uh, of their own doing. We're talking to Jerry Dulac of the Post-Gazette here on 105.9 The X. Uh, Jerry, what's your take on Ben's game Monday and where his game's at in general? Uh He's had some shaky moments this year, but in general, he's been excellent, hasn't he? Oh, there's no question about it, Mark. And, you know, um, you look at his last two games at home, he's thrown for 900 and some yards and, and, and uh, uh, seven touchdowns, eight touchdowns. Um, you know, so, and, and you saw, you know, the other night, that first half the other night, Mark, was, was just about flawless, just after a little bit of a slow start. And that last drive of the first half was masterful going. Uh, uh, 75 yards or whatever it was in 58 seconds, completing eight of nine passes. Uh, and you go back to last year, go back from week 10 on until now, and that's the point where they de-emphasized the runs to Le'Veon Bell. He went from averaging 24.5 carries in the first uh, nine games to, counting the postseason, 16 carries a game uh, through the last seven. And there's, it's no coincidence that, that the point production went from 20 points a game when they were uh, relying on him to 32 points a game when they let Ben take over. And, and that's, that's the league. That's the way it is right now. That's the league they play in. That's the way the Steelers play. That's the way they need to play. And when you have a quarterback like that, you, you know, you're going to live and die with him. And uh, that's the way it should be. And, and he has been, from that point last season, He's been awfully productive, uh, Mark. Yeah, there have been a couple turnovers in there, but 
but there's been an awful lot of production from Ben, and and anything they've been able to get in that point from that point on has really all been because of him and not because of the defense of the run game. I think James Conner's done okay. I'm not sure he's a number one back, but I think he's done okay. And I think the last thing the Steelers want is for Lev Bell to show up at any point now. I think that's their worst nightmare. I couldn't agree with you more, Mark. Uh, there is nothing to be gained. The longer this goes on, the worse it'll be when he shows up. There's, there's no good ending to this, and it's only going to get worse when he does show up. James Conner leads the AFC in rushing, so he's doing okay. And I think those two runs... Mark, uh, as I mentioned, were big for him. Uh, they were big for the team because that's how you kill the clock, uh, you know, and, and close out the game. But I think they were big for him as well because he had just been grinding it out for a game and a half, and basically since that fumble, you know, running a little protective. You see him covering the ball up a lot. Uh, but to bust one for 27 and then another for 17, I, I, I think you'll see him bounce back with a decent performance uh, you know, uh, against Baltimore. They're not as strong as they typically are uh, against the run. They've been very good against the pass. But, yeah, I don't think there's any question. He's been he's been more than decent. He struggled from that Kansas City game on. But, again, you know, you're down 21-0. You're not going to start relying on James Conner. That's when you need Ben. Despite the risk involved in doing this, if Bell starts making noise about showing up or does show up, do you think they'll rescind the franchise tag? Well, Mark, you know, this has been kind of my point all along in that the Steelers have said since the combine, and this is before they had to issue the tag, that if they issued the tag, they would not rescind it. They say that, they say that with the idea that the player will then operate in good faith and, uh, you know, sign the tag and, and be in on time. Well, he has not operated in good faith. So to me, the Steelers no longer have to operate in good faith and not and you know just hold on to the tag. To me, they should rescind the tag at some point and say, you know what, We've, we're going to cut our losses right now and, and not deal with it. Mark, I think the thing that people forget here, they look at it from Le'Veon Bell's uh, standpoint. Do you really think the Steelers in the last, whenever he shows up, let's just say week 10, even if it's week 8 and they use the roster exemption, from that point on, do you really think they want to they want to pay a guy eight hundred and fifty three thousand dollars a game to either uh, not be a contributor or even sit on the bench after he's been out of shape, missed two training camps and two months of the regular season? They're not going to sit there and pay that guy that amount of money if he's not even going to contribute. So I think people look at this as what's you know what's Le'Veon Bell going to do? I think they should be looking at it. Likely the Steelers will make a move before Le'Veon Bell makes a move. Now, I understand they, they, they can always rescind the tag, and they can't do anything other than that until he signs the tender. But I think it's you'll see the Steelers move and react before you see Le'Veon Bell react, to be quite honest. I want to talk about the Ravens a, a little bit, Jared. They look pretty solid, and their defense is right at the top of the stats heap. Who makes that right. defense go? Well, the funny thing is, Mark, their 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 pass defense, uh, I think, is one or two in the league, and uh, uh, and you know they're missing Jimmy Smith, you know their best corner. He's suspended for four games. Uh, Marlon Humphrey, their number one pick last year, has been very good. C.J. Mosley, their best linebacker and arguably their best defender, has missed the uh, he missed the Broncos game. Um, so they, it's just it, there hasn't been any. Uh, one player, you know, Terrell Suggs is a part-time player. Brandon Williams is solid up front. 
Um, but, I, you know, they, it hasn't been any one player who's been dominant, but they've been, they've been very solid. I think the real surprise for them, Mark, is, um, you know, offensively. You know, they're scoring points. You know, they, they're averaging 32 points a game. I, I went back and looked. They've never, now I know it's early, but they've never averaged more than 25 points in, per game in any season with Joe Flacco. I mean, they're not built that way. Uh, but that's what they've been able to do. And their point differential uh, from points scored to points allowed is like 15 and a half mark or 15.7. That's the second highest total in the league behind the Rams. So, um, you know, that it, it's pointing up that they're, they're winning games convinci- convincingly by a large margin, you know, something that, the uh, you know, 30 other teams aren't doing. And so they, they've, uh, you know, they, they've played very well. They got, they got big, and then they came back and made a game of that on the road. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they've been okay. They, if, and, if, you know, you don't want to go down. You know, you don't want the Ravens to be 3-1 and one and you'd be 1-2-1. and one. It's not insurmountable, but it's not the way you want to start. Is Flacco resurging a little? Uh, I think he's been on the slide for a couple of years now, but right now his numbers are decent. He looks comfortable, and he has a lot of targets, doesn't he? Yeah, Mark, I think that's the difference, and, and I would agree with you. Um, I was always a big Joe Flacco fan. I always thought he might have been the best. He and Aaron Rodgers were the best, best deep passers uh, in football. But there was so much inconsistency with him the last couple years uh, that I, I, you know, I didn't quite figure that one out. I think maybe his injuries had something to do with it, the knee injury. Um, he maybe looked a little skittish in the pocket. Um, but I think the big thing is, they finally given him more than one receiver to throw to. You know, they cleaned out their receiver room. Uh, they brought in Michael Crabtree. They brought in Willie Sneed. They brought in John Brown. They have uh, more than serviceable tight ends uh, with uh, Nick Boyle and the rookie. I'm drawing a blank on his name. But it gives him a variety of targets. You know, Michael Crabtree has the most catches at 15, but the other guys have 12, and it's been spread around. And, and I think that's what they're trying to do there. You can't zero in on any of their targets because any one because he's been able to spread it around and mark you look at their red zone numbers you know they're 12 for 12 they're the only team in the league that scored a touchdown on every trip inside the red zone and part of the reason why is because joe flacco has spread that ball around both running it and throwing it and and so far it's been working for him jer great stuff as always we'll do it again next week i appreciate the time all right mark always good chatting with you that's Jerry Dulac. Check out his fine work at the Post-Gazette website. Wow. Baltimore 12 for 12 in the red zone. Combine that with them being first in defense, second in pass defense, fifth in scoring defense. I think I'll use this phrase for the third time in this program. Sunday against Baltimore ain't going to be easy. We have Josh Owey talking hockey next hour. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X. The super genius, Mark Madden. It's a rare chance for you to have a brush with greatness. Make the most of it. Hey, Mark, big fan, big fan. Say, here's another great name from the past. The X at 105.9. Check out my blog today at the X website. It turns out Alex Ovechkin and Evgeny Kuznetsov of the Washington Capitals are Liverpool football club fans. There's pictures of Ovi and Kuzi 
in Liverpool kids holding up Liverpool scarves. I posted photographs. Like I said, that's at 1059thex.com. That kind of rocks my world. I mean, I mean, I'm like, you'll never walk alone, you jerks. No quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at cwelectricalservices.com. Uh, hockey just around the corner. The Penguin opener one week from tonight. I'm very excited. Oh, that guy Kager's on hold again. You know, I don't even want to talk to Kager. Tell Kager to F off. Uh, the injuries are piling up in hockey already. A couple significant ones. Seth Jones of the Columbus Blue Jackets is out four to six weeks with a sprained knee. They can ill afford to lose him. And in that vein, Corey Perry of Anaheim is out five months after he hurt his knee during warm-ups in an exhibition game. That's real bad for the Ducks. But if I'm then, I would ask for a second opinion on Perry's knee because I heard that Corey Perry's getting advice from James Harrison. When I was watching the Penguins last night, I thought, again, boy, is this team loaded. And I look at Toronto without a legitimate top pair defenseman, but all the hockey cards up front. And I keep hearing how the Leafs are the team to beat. That's ridiculous, and that's the Toronto media's uh, bias being uh, echoed throughout hockey's national echo chamber. Uh, I think six teams in the Eastern Conference are going to be real bad. Rangers, Islanders, Montreal, Carolina, Ottawa, and Buffalo. Which means point totals are going to be inflated. Scoring totals are going to be inflated. And only one playoff spot is really going to be up for grabs. I'm probably being a bit too hard on Buffalo. I think Botsy, uh, Jason Botterill, has those guys pointed in the right direction. But they need Eichel to become what Eichel was supposed to be and is not yet. Uh, Ottawa and Montreal could be historically bad. And the Islanders, I can't believe Barry Trotz took that job. He must have thought they had a shot to retain Tavares, which they never did, not even for a second. Here's some great news involving an old friend. Uh, Frank Fuhrer, a great guy for sports in Pittsburgh, is sponsoring a new 54-hole tournament for Tri-State PGA players. 10K to the winner, a 50K prize pool. That's July 1st and 2nd at Swickley Heights. He's calling it the Pittsburgh Open. And Mr. Fuhr already has his 200K Frank B. Fuhr Invitational. That's the week before at the Pittsburgh Field Club. That's awesome stuff. I've always been a big fan and friend of Mr. Fuhr. People in Pittsburgh always wish that Mark Cuban owned the Pirates. I wish Frank Fuhr did. He has always done right by Pittsburgh sports, the Pittsburgh Triangles in tennis, the Pittsburgh Spirit in soccer, and especially the sport of golf. 412-333-9939. If we're just tuning in, Mark Caballi of The Athletic is reporting that even though franchising Lev Bell next year would cost 25 mil, the price tag on that goes up even if Bell doesn't play this year. And no worries, the Steelers won't do that for sure. But Cavalli reports that even if Bell sits out the whole season, if the Steelers don't franchise him next year, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. 
If they franchise them, it's 25 mil. They're not going to do that. Otherwise, he's an unrestricted free agent. He doesn't have to play six games to burn off a year like we all thought. I'm going to talk about the ramifications of that 30 seconds away right here on 105.90X.